Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You should give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance, a terrific uh, organization focusing on public education here in the state of Florida. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Phil Kirpin is the president of American Commitment. We'll be talking about the U.S. economy. And the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be with us as well. It is February the 22nd, and on this day in 1819, Spanish Minister Do Luis de Onis and U.S. Secretary of State John Quincy Adams signed the Florida Purchase Treaty, in which Spain agreed to cede the remainder of its province of Florida to the United States. Spanish colonization of the Florida Peninsula began at St. Augustine in 1565. By the 17th century, the Spanish began coming under attack from Native Americans defending their ancestral homelands and English colonists encroaching from the north. Spain's last-minute entry into the French and Indian War on the side of the France of France cost it Florida, which the British acquired through the First Treaty of Paris in 1763. After 20 years of British rule, however, Florida was returned to Spain as part of the Second Treaty of Paris, which ended the American Revolution in 1783. Spain holds... <coughs> Hold on, now Florida proved tenuous in the years after American independence and numerous boundary disputes developed in the United States with the United States. In 1819, after years of negotiation, Secretary of State John Quincy Adams achieved a diplomatic coup with the signing of the Florida Purchase Agreement Treaty, which uh, officially put Florida in the hands of at no cost beyond the U.S. assumption of some $5 million of claims by U.S. citizens against Spain. Formal U.S. occupation began in 1821. General Jackson, Andrew Jackson, the hero of the War of 1812, was appointed military governor. Florida was organized as a U.S. territory in 1822 and was admitted into the Union as a slave state in 1845. So that's kind of the origins of how we got to where we are right here in the state of Florida. Well, the NASDAQ closed lower for the third straight day in trading session that was essentially a little bit nervous pregame for NVIDIA's earnings after the bell. Well, the tech, giant, uh, tech giants did not disappoint. Uh, whose advanced chips now, and I'm talking about NVIDIA's, uh, underpinned the burgeoning AI ecosystem, crushed the expectations with quarterly sales reaching $22.1 billion a 265% increase from the same period a year ago. Its net profit also surged to $12.3 billion versus a $1.4 billion in the same period last year. Can you believe those results? NVIDIA's slam-dunk quarter capped off one of the quickest rises in corporate history, that according to the Wall Street Journal. In a statement, CEO Jensen Huang said that AI had hit a tipping point with demand surging worldwide across companies, industries, and nations, and he would know his company controls about 80% of the high-end AI chip market, according to Reuters. Ahead of the earnings report, Goldman Sachs 
trading desk dubbed NVIDIA the most important stock on planet Earth because NVIDIA is a, is a proxy for AI demand, and AI demand has been the main driver for stock market for the past year. NVIDIA is the best-performing S&P 500 stock of 2023, dethroned Tesla as the most traded stock by value, and added more than $1.2 trillion in market cap in the last 12 months, briefly becoming the third most valuable company in the country last week, ahead of Alphabet and Amazon. U.S.-China uh, tensions uh, could slow down now. NVIDIA has historically relied on China for a quarter of its revenue, but sales in the country have dropped significantly since the U.S. placed export re- restrictions on advanced American ships to Chinese companies. Plus, the competition is heating up. Uh, OpenAI CEO Sam Altman is reportedly trying to raise about $7 trillion to build an AI infrastructure that would rival NVIDIA's. But for now, NVIDIA owns the road, and it's ahead of all the rest. Interesting story. Amazing story. I've never seen earnings like that, burgeoning earnings like that in the course of a quarter. Well, United Airlines flight from San Francisco to Boston had to make an emergency landing in Denver this week after passengers noticed that a panel on one of the wings was flapping in the wind. In a video showing the wing issue, one passenger expressed his desire to kiss the ground as soon as possible. Another looked out the window after hearing loud noises, snapped a picture of the Boeing aircraft damage, and consulted Reddit. Mid-flight asking, how panicked should I be? Do I need to tell a flight crew member? (laughs) The FAA is investigating, but some experts say the damage appears to be pretty minor. I don't know. Boeing has gotten a lot of problems and a lot of heat lately. It's not a coincidence that Boeing's head of the 736 MAX program is leaving the country in its biggest executive shakeup since the door panel blew off the Alaska Airlines uh, in January. Uh, Boeing's need to get, get its act together. It's tarnishing its brand pretty quickly. Well, the richest 1% of Americans now are paying a higher share of income tax burden than ever before. This is new data, tells us something else surprising. The Trump tax cuts led to the rich paying more, not less, of the tax burden. Prior to the tax cut, the richest 1% paid roughly 40% of the income taxes. Now they pay more than 45%. It really isn't all that surprising. The top 1% paid more of the tax burden after Reagan tax cuts, the highest income tax rate, well, it was reduced from 70% to 28%. Well, those uh, facts stopped Joe Biden from whining about tax cuts and uh, the, uh, trumping, uh, taxing for the rich, or taxing the rich. Uh, I don't think so. <clears throat> Johnny One Note, Joe Biden. Well, Remington, one of the oldest gun manufacturers in the United States, has shut down a factory that is more than 200 years old in New York. The move will put more than 300 people out of a job in the small town of Ilion, New York. The company is moving down to Georgia to operate in an area that is not so restrictive with firearms. The company CEO, Ken D'Arcy, said, We're very excited to come to Georgia, a state that not only welcomes business, but also enthusiastically supports and welcomes companies in the firearms industry. Republican New York Representative Elise Stefanik blamed the move on New York Democrats' unconstitutional gun grab policies. My mom worked there. This is a quote. My mom worked there. My dad worked there. My wife works there with me now. My daughter works there with me now. My second daughter works with me there now. My son-in-law works there, said Frank Rusty Brown, uh, president of the United Mine Workers of America Local 117, according to the Associated Press. So it's a double hit for me and my wife. Two of us are out of a job. You know, I really sympathize with the people of New York, but 
you can just anticipate this is what's happening. You make it tough for people to do business, and they're going to move elsewhere. You know, this uh, move was like this was coming for quite a while, unfortunately. Uh, people in the New York, especially those governing, should need to wake, uh, wake up and wise up and understand what they're doing to their state. Well, the local this is from the National Pulse, and if you're not familiar with the National Pulse, just uh, uh, national thenationalpulse.com is the website. Check it out. Uh, the largest ever global study on the effects of COVID-19 vaccines have found links to increased blood clot, uh, heart, and neurological-related conditions. The study, which examined data from 99 million vaccinated individuals, was performed by the Global Vaccine Data Network and published in the Journal of Vaccine. It found that mRNA vaccines, those made by uh, BioNTech, SE, uh, Moderna, and Pfizer, were linked to an increased risk of myocarditis. Viral vector vaccines like AstraZeneca's were linked to an increased risk of cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, a type of blood clot in the brain, and an increased risk in the neurological disorder uh, Guillain-Barre uh, syndrome. Researchers look for uh, 13 medical conditions considered adverse effects of special interest among the 99 million vaccinated individuals in eight countries seeking to identify higher-than-expected cases uh, following the COVID-19 vaccine. In addition, the scientists also discovered a link between mRNA vaccines and an increased risk of pericarditis, an increased risk of a disease that inf causes inflammation of the spinal cord, another disease that causes the inflammation and swelling of the brain and spinal cord after taking viral vector vaccines. The new study is the largest and most comprehensive that points to serious health risks associated with the vaccines. A study released last year in the Journal of Nature revealed that mRNA COVID-19 vaccine produce unintended proteins that the body attacks, while a study published in January in the Neurochemical Research Journal found that the same vaccines resulted in an autism-like symptom in neonatal rats. Also in January, a group of German scientists urged the cessation of mRNA COVID-19 vaccines as the problems of mRNA-based vaccines are becoming increasingly obvious. Wake up, America. The CDC is not our friend right now. You just, well, in my opinion, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a health official, but uh, quite frankly, a lot of warning signs about the vaccines. And remember, uh, these were not tested uh, and, and there are no trials as uh, my favorite cartoon it, uh, says, uh, one mouse is looking to the other saying, I'm not going to take the vaccine until the human trials are over. Interesting. Well, Biden buys more votes. It's what appears to be uh, a little other than a campaign move to garner more votes for Joe Biden from recent college graduates. The Biden administration announced that it will cancel another $1.2 billion in student loan debt for some 153,000 borrowers who had enrolled in the Savings of Valuable Education plan, uh, that SAVE plan. Using this plan, the Biden administration will effectively transfer to debt uh, taxpayers the remaining balance of student loans from the borrowers who had been paying down their debt for a decade or longer and whose original loan was no greater than $12,000. As Education Secretary Miguel Cardona ridiculously stated, with today's announcement, we are once again sending a clear message to borrowers who had loan, low balances. If you've been paying for a decade, you've done your part, and you deserve relief. So when uh, can, responsible, when can uh, responsible Americans who have either fully repaid their loan or never took out a loan in the first place say the same? 
They've been paying their taxes. They've done their part. They deserve relief. Can you believe that? So I wonder how much that, <clears throat> I have didn't figure it out, but uh, $1.2 billion divided by 153000 that's how much uh, Joe anticipates he'll pay per row vote with our tax money. Well, after Alabama's top court ruled frozen embryos are children, many have questions about the future of uh, IVF, or intro uh, fetal fertilization. Last week, the Alabama Supreme Court ruled fertilized, unplanted, unimplanted, Embryos created of, uh, by IVF are children under state law, referring to the type of facility where embryos are stored as cryogenic nurseries. The first-of-its-kind decision stemmed from a wrongful death suit lawsuit filed by three couples whose embryos were accidentally destroyed. The ruling doesn't make IVF illegal, but they're raising concerns about the impact on the fertility treatment. Uh, IVF uh, involves extracting multiple eggs from a woman and fertilizing them with sperm in a lab. Uh, the cycle usually produces more than one um, embryo. According to the CDC, about 4 million babies are born each year in the U.S. conceived by IVF. And there were 407 live births of IVF and other related procedures in Alabama in 2021 alone. A single IVF cycle can cost between fifteen and $30,000. This seems like a very questionable decision to be called uh, uh the fertilized egg that's being kept in these cryogenic uh, labs uh, call them children, but irrespective, that's the ruling, and it's created a lot of problems and a lot of questions about the future of uh, uh, IVF. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Mm-hmm. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. Tim's a 33-year resident of Collier County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. Tim stands for safe, secure, ethical elections. I hope you vote for Tim Garrett. Check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Garrett, Republican for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. Coming up, going to be visiting with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us Keith Law. Keith is the co-founder and CEO of a great organization supporting public education here in the state of Florida. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. I'm happy to. The Florida Citizens Alliance, uh, we've been around, I guess, since 19... or 2013, not going to be... That, that, that far back, uh, 2013. And we focus on K-12 education uh, here in the state of Florida. Uh, to us, that means uh, really promoting things like school choice, competition in schools, uh, getting rid of the indoctrination that's in our schools, you know, the pornography that's just uh, um, no other word, obscene, and, uh, and, and trying to get uh, provide excellent solutions to our kids' um, outside of government schools. So those are the major areas we work in. Yeah, I really appreciate your efforts. Doing a terrific job. The website is goflca.org. Goflca.org is the website. I hope you check it out. I'll give you a couple of reasons here. First of all, though, Keith, uh, we're getting towards the legislative session right now. How's it going, and uh, how do you assess the, uh, uh, the bills that are right now being passed or killed or squashed? Well, there's uh, some some good bills that are still in process, but what's really kind of sad is uh, the Senate is now killing at least four bills. Uh, they're being labeled, uh, you know, social bills rather than, you know, um, what you and I might think is uh, as uh, um, you know politically oriented. But mm-hmm. uh, just some of the examples um, that that I think are, are really sad. They're killing the flag bill, uh, which is um, a bill that would prohibit the use of any flags but the U.S. flag and the uh, and, and the Florida flag in any government agencies. So it would get rid of all of this rainbow flags and yeah. critical race theory flags, et cetera. 
Um, the Senate is killing that bill. Uh, Harmful for Minors bill, uh, which is one we've been working on for a number of years. Uh, it uh, had its uh, first hearing in the Senate uh, last week, or the week before last. Uh, interesting aside, Amira Fox, our state attorney, drove all the way up to testify in that, and they uh, TP'd or killed the bill without ever hearing it with her with her up there. So huh. um, that was kind of uh, a shame because uh, we need to protect our minors from what's going on. There was a, a really one, it's a, only a one-page bill that came out of the House that we were strongly supporting, the anti-grooming bill that would uh, put criminal penalties on on groomers before they actually committed this, you know, the sex trafficking act. Um, it's been killed in the Senate. Hmm. And then, of course, uh, and, and, and you had uh, Kevin Freeman on your show, uh, the Senate has killed the... Uh, Gold depository, gold and silver depository bill. That's um, too bad. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, uh, I, the only word I can think of is it's sad. There's been a lot of energy going to these good bills, and uh, we're not really getting clear rationale as to why uh, leadership uh, has decided to kill them. But um, you know, it, as you come down to the wire, it's always a, a trading session. So all I can assume is the Senate president's not getting something she wants out of the House uh, or uh, she's just exercising uh, her political power. Yeah. So we, we don't know. Yeah. Well, it always comes down to uh, trade-offs at the end. So uh, as uh, Thomas Sowell once said, there are no solutions, there are only trade-offs, <laughs> which, yeah. which is so true. Yeah. So uh, well, it's sad, yeah. it's sad that our kids are getting caught in the middle of that and, and our so, but anyway, it is what it is right now. Well, but nevertheless, you've had a lot of achievements in legislation and policy in the Florida State Legislature, as well as the Governor's Office and the uh, Super uh, the uh, uh, Education Department. So, I just really appreciate your efforts and what you're doing. I'm sure you've got some victories this time too. Yeah, well, we uh, we were able to keep the Hope Scholarship, um, so that was a big win, and we were able to modify a Senate bill that. Uh, that would have uh, allowed uh, parents at, with third graders to uh, socially promote them, even though they were um, unable to read. Uh, we got that that amendment, that that aspect of the bill totally changed and amended to uh, at least a reasonable approach. So well, that's great news. Pluses and minuses. So, uh, Keith, uh, you've got a big event coming up and uh, really would appreciate any kind of support you can get for the Florida Citizens Alliance. Maybe you could tell us about it. Uh, certainly. It's uh, March 13th. Uh, it's going to be at the Ritz on the beach. Um, our keynote speaker is Dinesh Souza, and we will also have a second speaker, um, Tanya Boyack, who's the founder of the Tuttle Twins. So for anybody, any grandparent or parents out there that, have kids or grandkids, I'm sure they've uh, heard of the Tuttle Twins. It's an amazing series of uh, of kids' books mm. that focus on um, Judeo-Christian constitutional values. So uh, there are two speakers. It's on um, March 13th. Um, we encourage people to go buy a ticket. And if you do and you use the code ALFIE, uh, you'll get a $100 gift certificate to any of his uh, stores. So... 
Um, Seed to Table, I think, is probably the happiest place in Collier County. So (laughs) a great place to go. So I think that's wonderful of Alfie to step up and do that to support the effort. And obviously, he supports your efforts in a big way by giving a $100 gift certificate for each ticket purchased. Yeah. So uh, we just encourage people to go do it. We're uh, three weeks away, and and it'll be a great event. Uh, And and it's it's our big fundraiser, so it lets us really continue to do what we do uh, year after year. Absolutely. And uh, again, they squeeze every the value out of every farthing coming through the till at the Florida Citizens Alliance. So go to goflca.org, goflca.org to get tickets, make contributions, and uh, get great news on what's happening in Florida education. Keith, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You and your listeners have a great week and the weekend, Bob. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show. Are you seeking new customers or contacts for your business? Why not promote your business to our loyal listeners? Join Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, the Collier Senior Center, Lulabee's Diner, and many others who've been advertising on the show, in many cases, for years. The rates are reasonable, and there's no required long-term commitments or contracts. Let me help you promote your business to our loyal listeners here on The Bob Harden Show. Visit the website, bobharden.com, or send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. That's bobharden at hotmail.com. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by, I should say, providing news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Michael Cannon. He's the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the, sh- on the show. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. So uh, NVIDIA just announced its earnings yesterday. They were explosive. And uh, just a, uh, I, most people are looking at this as a symbolic. Their earnings uh, were symbolic of uh, AI and its importance in our economy. I was wondering if you could comment perhaps on uh, how you see uh, AI playing a role in uh, public health and healthcare? Well, I think the promise of AI in healthcare is that it could make healthcare more universal by uh, performing more 
uh, affordably uh, and driving down the price of tasks that previously only highly trained physicians could do. Mm-hmm. You know, even before AI came onto the scene, uh, economists and medical educators, uh, innovators and entrepreneurs theorized that a, a nurse practitioner with uh, given sophisticated enough software could do as many diagnoses as uh, and do diagnose diagnose illness as well as a doctor can. Mm-hmm. Now, if you could give a nurse practitioner the uh, the diagnostic software that would allow her uh, to perform as uh, at as high a level as a uh, physician who went all the way through medical medical school and a residency. Uh, then that would be a boon to patients because that would mean that they wouldn't have to pay doctor prices in order to get a diagnosis. They would, they would be able to pay nurse practitioner prices. And if the software got even more sophisticated, then uh, people with even less education could use it to make diagnoses. So think not just nurse practitioners, but registered nurses who only require four or five years of education before they can practice. Now, to physicians who have been through uh, all those years of pre-medical education, med school, and uh, their residencies, which is a grueling process, right? Uh, they think that this is, I mean, they resist expanding scopes of practice for, uh, for mid-level clinicians like nurse practitioners in all sorts of ways. And they think this is uh, not feasible. Uh, a lot will say that this is not feasible. Mm-hmm. And perhaps it isn't uh, yet with current technology. But as it advances, uh, AI, and all the theorizing happened before AI came onto the scene. And now that it has come onto the scene and people are seeing some pretty incredible things that it's able to do, that has, uh, appears more feasible. We're getting closer to the day where that becomes a reality. And, uh, and I think this is uh, a, a wonderful thing for, uh, for the nation's most vulnerable patients, uh, particularly low-income people who would have a hard time, uh, who have a hard time affording the medical care that they need because it holds the promise of making healthcare more universal by driving down prices so that we have to give up less in order to get the medical care we need. You know, the way you're describing that right now, it's very exciting. Obviously, there will be resistance to, you know, territorial people, that, uh, doctors, for example, that just don't want uh, their week to, uh, work to be imposed on or impinged because of their professional status. And, you know, it's going to would obviously uh, imp- impact their income as well. But nevertheless, it not, seems to not only be able to uh, reduce the cost of medicine and uh, health care, but also insurance premiums. Medicare, Medicaid, and there's so many different ways that this could be a tremendous savings. And this is how progress happens in not just in health and medicine, but in all areas of the economy. When tasks that uh, in the past only you could only uh, get services, you could only get from people with lots of education and training in very remote locations. Uh, when the technology enables you to get those services from people with less education and training, fewer inputs in more convenient locations, that's how we make uh, everything more universal. And AI 
uh, holds out at least the hope of doing that in health and medicine as well. There are obstacles in the way, though. Oh, yeah. And one of them is our, our friends at the Food and Drug Administration uh, who want to regulate AI, uh, even though uh, this is uh, maybe the paradigmatic example of a technological uh, of a technology that you don't want the government regulating. That's so obvious and, and clearly. I mean, there's so many different things we could do. Uh, right now, we have licensing requirements in all states. Uh, we should have just perhaps one medical license, and people could do. Uh, cre- uh, practice medicine cre- across state boundaries, uh, you know, having nurses be able to do things that only doctors could do before. I mean, these are all uh, telemedicine. Uh, yeah, there are just so many examples of ways that we could save. And, and we're living in the dark ages in some some ways when it comes to communication and medicine. Uh, I think that, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, Bob, I think that's true. And the reason it's true is, uh, and the reason that uh, patients in much or most of the country cannot communicate via telehealth with top doctors elsewhere in the country is government regulation that's supposed to improve the quality of care that they receive. But in fact, those regulations are blocking their access to the highest quality doctors because uh, uh, these regulations... Uh, we call these laws clinician licensing laws that exist at the state level, uh, even though uh, uh, their supporters claim that these laws improve healthcare quality by keeping unqualified doctors from practicing medicine. Uh, they might do that. They, they probably do block some low-quality doctors from the market. Not all of them. There's still plenty of them out there. But they also block your access right. to... Uh, your ability to access the highest quality doctors. Uh, you only have access to the doctors who happen to have a license from your state. Right. Now, what makes you, what makes any state regulator think that that's, that uh, they have the highest quality doctors in the country or the world, uh, and and that they're therefore their licensing laws are not posing a problem? And even if one state thinks that, how could all fifty states? Uh, regulators in all 50 states. Yeah, it just makes no sense. When you think, I, I have friends, oh, you know, I had to have an operation, so I decided to go to the Mayo Clinic, you know, going up, you know, what, why can't you just uh, have people in the Mayo Clinic uh, consult on your health conditions uh, without having to go to New York or Minnesota or whatever it might be, you know, so uh, right now, we, there's so many things standing in the way. We, there's so many different ways that we'd save a lot of money in health care. Uh, lots of ways uh, that, that uh, we could save a lot of money. And, uh, <laughs> and it's funny, you bring to mind another issue that's uh, uh, happening in the news. Uh, one of those ways is by finding out how the Medicare and Medicaid programs are wasting money. These are programs that cover about 100 million Americans. Uh, they pay uh, about $2 trillion per year, the, the two programs together on health insurance and medical care for those 100 million uh, enrollees. It's just a maelstrom of cash and medicine. And uh, it's, uh, the, the agencies who run them really have no idea what's going on. They just shovel money out the door. That's their job. Yeah. And they generate lots of data that uh, academics, uh, it, it, all those transactions generate lots of data that academics 
love to get a hold of so that they can try to figure out what's going on in these programs. Yeah. But Medicare and Medicaid have told the academics that, you know what, we're going to make it harder for you to access those data and we're going to increase the price of you accessing those data. And so uh, what that means is you'll get less research about what works and what doesn't. And it'll be harder to save taxpayers money because we won't know what's working and what isn't. I mean, these, this is the, the, the sort of research, the data and the sort of research that told us that one third of Medicare spending does nothing to improve the health of enrollees or to make them happier yeah. with the medical care that they're receiving. Yeah, again, Michael Cannon. And, and we might not get this research in the future if the uh, if the Medicare Medicaid bureaucracies cut off access to those data for research. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I hope you check out the very robust website and informative website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, always appreciate your can uh, commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Always glad to be here. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Phil Kirpin, president of American Commitment. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. And a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, 
personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Phil Kirpin. Phil is the president of American Commitment. Phil, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Phil. Tell us about American Commitment. Uh, we're a national free market advocacy group. We work uh, really on all the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues, and we try to focus on the fights where people might be able to actually make a difference, uh, the fights that are on the margin, and we ask people to write letters into regulatory agencies or into Congress, and uh, we try to tip some of these outcomes in a more free market direction. All our stuff is on AmericanCommitment.org. AmericanCommitment.org, again, is the uh, website. Phil, uh, uh, there's a lot of talk right now that the economy is strong, that uh, right now we're headed towards a soft landing. There's not going to be any kind of recession. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of weakness in the economy. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the, uh, I think the media and the Democrats are trying awfully hard to convince people uh, that they're not experiencing what they're experiencing. And I think the, the most fundamental problem for most households is that prices have risen substantially more than incomes have risen over the past few years. And uh, that's true even as over the past year incomes have finally started to outpace inflation slightly, although that was not the case in January. In January, was back uh, to the prior trend of prices rising more than incomes. And, of course, if you're several years uh, in the hole in terms of prices rising faster than your income, you can't afford to do things you used to be able to do. You can't buy things, you can't do things for your family that you used to be able to do, and that means you feel poor. You are poor. Your, your cost of living is such uh, that you are poor as a consequence of that. And um, when people can't afford to do things they used to be able to do. No number of headlines telling them how great and wonderful everything is and how inflation's in the rearview mirror are going to convince them that they're having a good time economically. And so I think that's the most fundamental economic problem and therefore political problem for the incumbent political party. Uh, but there's also a lot of other weakness. You know, you look at almost every one of these data releases, Bob, and they've got these headlines that are wonderful, and then you drill down, and uh, there, there's a lot of weakness below that. And so I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. The last employment report, uh, they claimed there were 350,000 jobs created. Uh, and then you look inside, and, well, okay, 350,000 jobs created versus the new jobs number you have for last month after you revised down 11 of the 12 previous months and eliminated some million yeah. jobs, and then you're kind of scratching your head and saying, oh, well, this, will this 350,000 also be revised away in the future? Um, but even, you know, sort of setting aside the revisions issue, we've now had quite a uh, divergence between the employer survey, the establishment survey, where they survey companies, and the household survey, where they survey households and they ask uh, if people are working. And, you know, the, um, the establishment survey, the one where they survey businesses, that's shown a pretty steady increase in jobs for the last few years, an upward trend. Uh, the employment survey, uh, the uh, excuse me, the uh, household survey, it's been flat. It's mm -hmm. been flat, and a gap has been in getting larger and larger each month between those two surveys. Well, w what's the explanation for that? Uh, part of it, we don't know. You know, one of them's probably right and one wrong, and we don't know why, and uh, that's kind of a, a head-scratcher. But we do know that part of it is the number of multiple job holders has gone up pretty, right. pretty significantly, right. which is to say that a lot of the increase in the businesses saying, yes, we added a job with somebody's second job or even their third job. And I definitely don't think that makes people feel good about the economy when they've got to pick up a second or even a third job to make ends meet. Uh, similarly, let's look at the last GDP report. We got this big headline number, 3.2% growth, everyone was cheering. Well, you know, that was driven mostly by government consumption expenditures, uh, right. by government spending. And 
we're going to pay for that. We're either going to pay for it in future tax hikes or we're going to pay for it in future inflation. It's not, it's not a free lunch. It's not a freebie. And so, you know, you have to wonder, you know, are we headed for sort of a, a second mountain? You know, you look at what happened with inflation in the 1970s. It went up to about 9%. It came down to about 2%. And then it went up to double digits. Uh-huh. And you wonder if we're not in the same kind of valley between inflation peaks right now based on the fact that there's no restraint at all on government spending. Uh, we've got just outrageous out-of-control government spending. It's like it came down from all of the supposedly one-time pandemic spending, and it went right back up under Biden. And obviously there's no plan to pay for it with tax hikes, which is good because tax hikes are, are destructive of economic growth also. But you know, if you don't get spending under control, inflation is going to be going up again, and it could be going up again sooner rather than later if the Fed decides to juice the economy to try to get Biden reelected, and we start seeing aggressive rate cuts uh, because Jay Powell knows that Trump will fire him and Biden won't. And so I, I, I'm concerned that we could get a little, you know, to ease the short-term pain, we could get senseless uh, loosening and money printing by the Fed to finance all this government spending, and you know they'll try to get through election day, and then next year we'll be back to six, seven, eight percent inflation. Right, and uh, from a macroeconomic standpoint too, I, I'm concerned about commercial real estate, the debt, uh, 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 regional banks. I mean, I think there's so many points of uh, weakness right now in the economy that uh, could lead to some sort of a bubble, and it's going to be just a, a very dramatic impact on consumers. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, the, the commercial real estate is something of a ticking time bomb because the vacancy rates are uh, off the charts. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of that is just people didn't go back to work, uh, you know, after the, the work from home during lockdowns. And a lot of it is urban crime. Uh, you know, there are a lot of cities people, people don't want to go into the city because they'll get carjacked. And so we've got sort of multiple pathologies that are causing... Yeah a pretty significant decline in the demand for commercial real estate. Uh, we've got a consumer debt bubble that's inflating over a trillion dollars of credit card debt because a lot of people, when they can't afford the things they used to be able to afford, they don't go without, they put it on a card. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a, a, uh, a, a burgeoning uh, kind of debt bomb on people independent of the one that we've got uh, kind of on the government side. And, um, you know, the banking system has got sort of a regulatory tsunami coming at it right now, particularly, you know, we, there's been a lot of focus on small banks, but the big banks are going to have their uh, lending substantially curtailed yeah. by new uh, capital requirements regulations that the Fed is threatening to impose, you know, sometime this year. And so we're going to have, we, we've got a number of, of substantial economic headwinds. Uh, the issue for me, and the reason I'm more concerned about the going the other direction is, I think, you know, if the Fed decides we want Joe Biden to be reelected, all of those other things just become excuses for massive money creation to juice the economy and, and try to get him through. Such a good point. So, Phil, any policy recommendations to achieve prosperity? Well, just the ones that we're always focused on. We're really trying to get spending cut. Right now, the biggest fight that's on the margin in Washington is the fight over funding the federal government. Uh, we're headed potentially to another government shutdown uh, the uh, I think next week, March 1st, is that next week now? I always get confused with the short February month. Ah. Uh, and, you know, we've got the, the big date, though, is April 1st, because if we are on a continuing resolution April 1st, and I sure hope we are, we get 1% across-the-board cuts enforced by sequestration, because Thomas Massey got that put into the debt ceiling deal, 
And we're going to have the Democrats uh, screaming bloody murder. How can we possibly live with these horrible draconian cuts? (laughs) And if Republicans are even slightly competent, they'll say Democrats would rather shut down the government than have a 1% cut in a budget that's gone up trillions of dollars. And, uh, you know, if they can't win that debate politically, I don't know. I don't know what their problem is. So I'm hoping that they'll start putting some, you know, clean uh, year-long CRs on the floor and actually daring Democrats to vote against them and try to build that drumbeat ahead of that, that 1% cut. Because as pathetic as it is to celebrate a 1% cut when spending's more than a trillion dollars higher than it was supposed to be this year, uh, you know, in the last Trump baseline, uh, I'll take any cut. Any yeah. cut is, is directionally an improvement over what we usually get. And so I think that's going to be the next fight over the next, the big fight over the next few weeks. Phil Kirpin, again, president of American Commitment. I hope you'll check out AmericanCommitment.org, AmericanCommitment.org. Phil, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Have a good one, Bob. You as well. Thank you, Phil. All right. Coming up, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences and just completing a 44,000-square-foot performing arts uh, center in downtown Naples. It's going to be absolutely fabulous opening this year. I hope you'll visit the website and get some tickets to upcoming performances. The website is Gulf Shore Playhouse. Org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, my pleasure. It looks like you have a nice golf day today where you're 
Long John's to start, and it's supposed to be 75. Wow. I did not realize that. I, I knew it was like in the 50s this, yeah. <laughs> this morning, but yeah. uh, you have to, to to buckle up and uh, put up, uh, endure the uh, cold weather. So, Bill, uh, Naples Daily News yesterday says uh, Heitman <laughs> blames PAX as mayor race turns ugly. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Bob, I I saw that because we've been getting, we've been getting all the cards and, uh, 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 you know, everything that's the negatives um, and the accusations and emails, which you don't see, um, and texts and uh, um, just absolutely the worst I've ever seen, Bob. And boy, you and I have seen some uh, over the years, but this is. Is terrible. But what it's doing, I think, to to the voters, okay, that are not knowledgeable, um, it, it it um it's it's kind of like very confusing. Um, I have you know really tried in in my little articles in in life in Naples every month to to give some sort of an education at least of who's who and what to look for when you're um, going to cast a vote, okay? If you're a newcomer, you don't know these people, uh, how to go about doing it, and but it gets nastier and nastier. I mean, we got a couple yesterday uh, which weren't in the, uh, in the Naples Daily yesterday that was like, Gary Price um, overfunds or, or underfunds uh, police officers. Um, and I, I mean, <laughs> you talk to any police officer in... The city of Naples uh, uh, about Gary, and they're all—they uh, won't say it. I mean, they tell you if you ask them, but they're all supporting them. Yeah. But uh, here it says, uh, Gary Price, don't trust his words, trust his votes. Uh, defunded the Naples Police Department, uh, proved reckless overbuilding and overdevelopment. I mean, it's um, gave Naples more crime, more traffic, and more problems. I mean. Uh, these these packs have gone over the top, and of course everybody's accusing everybody else. And the thing with the packs is, as you know probably better than me, I mean they they have pretty free reign, right? <laughs> yes. Well, here, here's the thing. I mean, uh, Gary Price, in my mind, is one of the most thoughtful, uh, deliberative legislators or, or city councilmen that I've ever seen. I really, right. when when he speaks, you could help, you could hear a pin drop. People listen and want to hear what he has to say because it's so thoughtful and deliberate and wise. And uh, I listened to these accusations, and uh, quite frankly, I mean, I, I sat in on a, on a meeting one time with uh, Teresa Heitman. I've had, not had many interactions with her, but it was with uh, uh, Rick Scott, who was running for governor at the time for the first time. And she was so demeaning, and I really was t- personally embarrassed by her behavior at the time. She will say or do anything, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. It's, and uh, f- for that reason, for that reason alone, I just don't respect where she comes from. Well, you know, it's her, and it's, of course, Alfie Oaks is backing Ted Blankenship. And, you know, you saw what Alfie said in, the, in that article yesterday. You know, he, he thinks Ted is, is a straight shooter and... And that's why he's supporting him. And uh, but you know, a lot of that stuff comes from him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ted flat out said when he asked a question at the uh, Port Royal Association's uh, uh, meeting a couple a week ago, and so uh, is Alfie supporting your campaign? And Ted f- f- blankly fled. I mean, his his response was no. I mean, he flat out lied. Wow. Uh, 
But but you know um, uh, I think that uh, I'm I'm hoping Bob that the people that get all this stuff would just finally after a while just say you know what we'll we'll do some other things to find out about these candidates and throw that stuff in the garbage. You would but, hope I so. Mean, yeah, you would you would hope so. I, I I just don't know how you could possibly you could certainly check out what they put on those cards to. Uh, to to determine if there you know if there's any truth to any of it, which there isn't. Of course, there might be a little bit on Heitman's, but um, <laughs> um, you know. But other than that, uh, um, you know, you now she's crying the victim, and uh, her family is hurt, and uh, you know, um, crying like a baby about it because she doesn't like it. Okay, yeah, she doesn't like it that they came after her, so she's blaming it on. She's throwing it everywhere she can. Um, Are you saying she can dish it out, but she can't take it? Oh, she can dish it out, but she definitely can't <laughs> take it. What? Uh, yeah, and you know, she, I mean, you go back and you look at what she did to, to, to Kevin Rambosk and myself yeah. with those accusations and then still denied it. And, and those ethics complaints about her are still out there. Wow. They still have not been settled. So. I'm just saying it's it's uh, it's really bad and it's very ugly, but they are having some group forums and people can listen to what the candidates actually have to say, um, and they can hopefully make some good judgments uh, when it comes to the election. But uh, I, like I, I said, you and I have seen a lot of elections in our years uh, on the air, or mine with you, and uh, this one this one is. Um, is the ugliest for Naples that I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, it just uh, for our listeners' benefits, I know I can't vote in Naples. I'm not a Naples resident. Uh, however, if I could vote, I would vote for Gary Price as uh, mayor. I think he, he's just an outstanding individual and head and shoulders above the rest, quite frankly. And uh, uh, and I would also the coach. Uh, yeah, uh, his team. Well, Gary's got a team. Yeah, Coach Kramer. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Tony Benetois, and he, he's got a, a little team there that are all first-class people that have been in this community, been active in this community, done good things in this community, and people know them in the community. You know, so it's uh, we're, we're, we're just going to have to we'll sweat out the, the next month, Bob, or at least till the 19th anyway, and see what happens. Absolutely. Voting, again, well, if you live in Naples, make sure you vote, because I've seen these races in the past, and sometimes... A handful of votes can make the difference between one candidate and another in, any, in, in these elections. So uh, make sure you exercise your right and uh, according, and also take Bill's recommendation. Make yourself informed. Don't believe everything you hear uh, on oh, the news. For sure. Again, Bill, you know, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, thanks. And uh, you have, a, have yourself a great day and a good weekend. And I believe we're going to see you soon for a dinner, finally. We're at Blue Provence. Looking forward to it. Ab- Absolutely, we are too. Take care and see you soon. Thank you, Bill. You as well. Have a great weekend. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly enjoyed it and learned a lot today. I hope you tune in tomorrow. We've got some great guests. Uh, One of them is Dr. Susan Wilson. She's a medical doctor. She's dedicated her life to taking care of uh, orphans in Tanzania. And uh, what a special story she has. We'll also visit with William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow with the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, will be joining us as well. If you enjoy the show, I hope you'll patronize our uh, sponsors. They just do a great job, and quite frankly, we can't do the show without them. 
I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.